everyone. You're listening to Patio Talk Pod. Where we believe everyone has a story. And we want to share it. I'm David. And I'm Cindy. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to Patio Talk Pod, this week's edition of Adoption Stories. Yeah, hey there listeners. We are back with yet another great story of two adoptions in one family. We haven't had that yet. Right. So this one is pretty exciting to listen to. We hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving week. We uh, weren't able to get an episode out during that week due to some unforeseen circumstances, but uh, we're ready and to continue on sharing our love for adoption. Yes. And we'd really like to thank our guests that we have on this week for being so flexible with us when we had to change schedules uh, unexpectedly. Yes. Their story also touches a, a sensitive topic among um, couples, which is infertility, um, and brings light to the pain and grief that comes along with that. So we thought we would share kind of maybe some things of what not to say to a couple that maybe yet hasn't started their family, or maybe they've had one child and they haven't had any others in a while. Um, some things that we can avoid there, um, since we've really covered a lot on the adoption topics what not to say. It's really easy to ask those questions when you are talking with someone who who may have been married for a few years and don't have children. It's a I think it's it's good people again that are uh, just want to make conversation, not really meaning anything by it, but really not taking into account that there may be something underlying there on why there's no children. So we really need to be sensitive to that. Really be careful and choose our words wisely. Um, because a lot of people, especially when we're in the South, so a lot of times, when are you going to have kids? Or if, if a couple has one child, when are you going to have another? It's, it's, it's easy to say those things just because you want to make conversation. It's hard to think before we speak and go, okay, maybe there's, maybe there's a reason. Yeah. And, you know, it, and it's private. Not everyone wants to be an open book about what they're going through, especially, I, we experienced it, right? I didn't right. want to go out and share to everybody that it, and it didn't appear that we had infertility issues because we were blessed with our firstborn, what appeared to be easy, but we later found out really was a miracle and then couldn't conceive after that uh, for 11 years of hearing those kind of comments and knowing that people meant well, but they hurt. Yes. Um, it's kind of a invisible wound. Before we get to our interview, I just want to say that it's been great to hear all of these stories. And if you have a story and that you would like to share it, we would love to have you on. So please, if you want to share your story, let us know. You can email us at thepatiotalkpod at gmail.com. And it doesn't have to be all about adoption. Any story you'd like to share as we're getting ready to end this year and head into a new one. So now, grab some coffee, grab a drink, whatever you're having. Sit back and listen to Heather and Brad. We'd like to welcome Brad and Heather to Patio Talk Pod. How are you guys tonight? We're good. Good. How are y'all doing? Doing amazing. Good. Yeah. Thanks for joining our Patio Talk. Yeah. Thank y'all thanks for having, for having us. us. So we are wrapping up or maybe getting too close to the end of our adoption stories. We, we may have another one coming, but um, we know that you guys have traveled this journey and we're sharing that. We did it for the month of November. We had uh, some personal reasons that we couldn't do it last week to finish up. So we're going to just roll on into December for National Adoption Awareness Month. 
And we wanted to invite you guys on to share your story. Before we dive into that, Cindy wants to wreck you over the coals. I mean, give you some uh, <laughs> questions that uh, kind of get our audience to know you a little bit better. And audience, you may hear some cooing and laughing and gurgling in the back. And it's just a beautiful bouncing boy who is just having a good time. <laughs> so, Cindy, fire away. All right. So here we go. I always like to ask, what would you consider yourself as far as the way you kind of process life? Are you an instant pot or a crock pot? I want to hear from both of you. So whoever wants to go first. I would say that I'm probably a crock pot. There are times I can be an instant pot, but I think for the majority of things, I'm probably a crock pot. Um, I try to let things simmer and stir a little bit before I bounce into anything, um, jump into anything. But yeah, I guess for me, it would probably be a crock pot. I would say I'm an instant pot because I react quickly to things. I don't, I say what I think. I say how I feel and I don't try to process anything before I say it, which is probably bad. All right, so there we go. We've got a good balance. That's kind of, again, didn't our last couple, like, they were opposite of usually the male is usually the instant pot and the female's the crock mm-hmm. pot. So we can't really say that anymore. So no, it's, no. It's there. Okay, who's the free spirit and who's the nerd? I'm the free spirit. Yeah, Brad saying, is yeah, the nerd. I'd be the nerd. <laughs> I kind of guess that just based on what you do, but... <laughs> Okay, so what would be your favorite holiday side dish? Hmm. Or doesn't have to be a side dish, I guess, but. It's a very good question. What's the one thing you can't do without every holiday? But if you don't have it, you're upset. Cranberry sauce. Really? Okay, so is it the cranberry sauce from the can or homemade fresh cranberry sauce? It is the can of joy. It is the cylinder of joy, yes. That is so interesting. I think, yeah, for me, it would probably be dressing. Yeah, I like dressing. Yeah. Probably my favorite, because you don't get it throughout the year. Like, that's macaroni and cheese you can have any time you want. Yeah, my mom's the same way with the the, uh, cranberry out of the can. Yeah. She's got to have it. Yeah, we didn't have it this past Thanksgiving, and we were going to go get some, but it never happened, so... We're a little upset. Well, you're going to have to make sure for Christmas that you do. I know. <laughs> you don't have to wait till Christmas. Eat it every day this month. This is true. <laughs> you go to store that might get kind of old and get gross <laughs> <laughs> after a while. All right. So here we go. The interesting couple questions. How long have you been together? And how many of those years have you been married? We've been together for 17 years. We've been married for 15 of those. 17 years? And how, how many married again? 17 years, 15 married. 15 married. Awesome. Okay. So who asked who first for the first date? I asked Heather first. Okay. And that's all you're going to give us? No. You're not going to give us the background <laughs> behind it? We, we met at a dance club, actually. At Denim and Diamonds. We, us, and one of my really good friends, Brian, and his wife, Melinda, and then one of Heather's really good friends and her husband, we all met each other at Denim and Diamonds, and we are still married to this day. Um, 
But we met at Denim and Diamonds. Um, we got to talking. Um, we were we were introduced through some mutual friends. She went to high school with some of my friends, and so um, I asked her for a number. She gave me her number, and I had actually gone out of town with one of my friends that weekend. And so I called her when I got back and asked her if she wanted to go eat dinner. And our first date was um, we went to David or it was Jillian's at the time. Now it's David Buster's, but they had a hibachi place. And my brother was our cook for our first date. Oh wow, that's awesome! <laughs> that's kind of brave, though, right? He didn't have to pay for the meal, so he got off cheap. Oh, oh yeah, I didn't even think about guy. that. Yeah, <laughs> smart guy. I didn't even think about that aspect. I was thinking more like, there's no way I would have wanted to have my brother <laughs> serving my meal on my first date. He probably would have thrown it at me or done something to embarrass me. Or I know I would have if the tables were turned. <laughs> You're showing your true colors on there, Cindy. <laughs> well, you know, it's a sibling thing. Yep. I always, you know, we had the days and time where you could... Have call waiting and aggravate the girlfriends when they called and irritate them, you know, not give the phone to him. And That's right. It was fun. Yeah, those days are gone. Yeah, our kids don't know about that, do they? No. Okay, so who said I love you first? Brad did. Yeah, I was going to say, I think it was me. And we weren't even officially dating, dating at that point. After he said, I was like, so does that mean we're together? He's like, yeah. I was like, okay. <laughs> okay, I'll just roll with it. So, like, how long would that have been in? Like, a week? Two weeks? Yeah, a month? Probably uh, about a month, maybe. Was it sooner than that? Maybe two weeks? Two weeks. Okay, maybe two weeks. Really? Hey, when you know, you know, right? All right. right. That's exactly what I was just going to say. Okay. So, so when you were planning the wedding and everything and during that time, well, wait a minute. I got to know. So, did you ask her to marry you after, like, four weeks? No. Was, <laughs> we, we were... Uh, this is about almost two years in. I think we've been dating for almost two years. Okay. A little bit, little bit shy of two years. Okay. Okay. So, okay. So now we're planning the wedding, talking about hopes and dreams. So what did that discussion look like regarding family? Did you talk about how many kids you might want? I remember our second date saying... This was even before planning a wedding that we wanted to be married and we wanted kids. And if the other person didn't want that, then we were out. Well, so y'all went straight to it. Like you guys didn't waste any time. I love you at two weeks talking about kids at two weeks. Well, then you waited two years to get married. (laughs) I think it was just because we were both like in our late twenties at that point. And we were like, we knew what we wanted and we didn't want to waste time with someone who didn't want those things. Especially because we were getting older at that time. Yeah, I agree. So did you discuss a number of how many kids you thought you would have? I, I always wanted to. Yeah, no, me too. So. Okay. So do you, was adoption ever in that, that thought at that time? At first, no, it was not. Well, not for him. But for me, I always said if I couldn't have kids, I would definitely adopt. I think that tends to be something that a female thinks about more. And that aspect, you know, of... Because I know I used to say that to you. Like, I would rather put that money toward that versus thousands and thousands of dollars of treatments and things. Yeah. If Yeah, and that's why we, uh, when we were first talking about it, I mean, I just always assumed we would have our own biological children. And when we found out we couldn't, then that's when it came down to 
to do we want to spend the money towards adoption or spend the money towards having these fertility treatments going to be about the same cost where the fertility treatments it's only about a 25-30% chance of that actually working and taking hold whereas we can put the money towards adoption towards a child who needs a forever home so that's after prayer and everything else that was the route we decided to go so awesome alright so let's dive into let's dive into that so at what point after you were married did you decide that you want to try to start having children I would say we're probably about a year or so into our marriage when we decided that we wanted to start trying to start a family. Yeah. I would say the same thing. I know that we said, let's take a year to enjoy marriage and then we'll start trying. Yeah. So that was planned out to, to do that. It was. Yeah. So, and then, um, I don't know, this may be another question, but we tried our, to, Start our family for what, about three years or so, something like that. And then after three years of not being able to have any children, that's when we decided to go see some specialists. And that's when we found out that um, our options were either going to be um, in vitro fertilization or adoption. Well, at first they said we could do the artificial <coughs> insemination, um, but we didn't have the money to do that right away. So we waited, and by the time we did have the money, they said it was no longer an option. Okay. So they took took that option off the table. They did. So describe to me what you're going through at that time, emotionally. Um, I know for me it was probably like the worst of the worst. Because, I mean, that was my, dr- my dream always was to be a mom. And so when I realized it wasn't going to happen like I thought or how I imagined... I became extremely, extremely depressed, I would say. I would fake it. I didn't want people to know because I was ashamed. Um, because unfortunately, with infertility, the world looks down on you a lot more for that and makes you feel less than. So I was afraid to admit what I was going through, kept it to myself. But I would cry myself to sleep every night, cry every morning, just didn't want to do anything, just barely wanted to function. And I think for me, just finding out that we weren't going to be able to have kids, I felt like I was letting Heather down. And when we found out, I think I literally went to her and told her that if you don't want to be with me anymore, I totally understand. But we worked through that. <clears throat> and, um, but you know, as a man, you feel like that's the one thing you need to give your wife as a child. And I couldn't do that. And it was... It was hard on me, and, and I, I didn't show it a lot. Um, I don't even think I really talked about it a lot, but there were times that I just felt like I was incomplete as a as a male as a as a man. And but just after prayer and after talking with Heather, and I realized that it was God. God had a much different plan for us than what we thought, and it looked a lot different than we thought it was going to look. Like. Yeah, a lot of times His plans do look different than what we. What we have. Exactly. They're always better. <laughs> they really are. <laughs> they're not they're not easy. <laughs> no, they're not they're always not easiest. Easy. But uh but he knows he knows what's happening and what's going on and in, in the time I, I tell you, being able to walk through it at the time is, is hard. It's hard to do. Um, well you often feel lonely because nobody talks about it. Nobody talks about infertility because 
of the shame that people are made to feel. And so we felt completely alone. Um, at the time, the church that we attended, our small group, there were, I think, eight couples, something like that. Seven out of the eight were pregnant. Mm-hmm. And it was a struggle just to be there. I loved them, and that's why I was there, but we just felt completely alone. We didn't have anybody to talk to, no one to relate to. And that was the hard part. The only person I could talk to was Brad, but I knew he was having the same emotion. So I felt like I was a burden to him and he felt like he was a burden to me because we had no one else to talk to about it. And I'm sure it it doesn't help either being newlyweds and everyone, family and friends. When are you going to start a family? That makes it even more difficult. They don't mean to, to be like that with you, you know, to hurt you. It's just people don't think about it before they say those things that maybe there's a reason to be a little more gentle about it. It's a grieving process, too. Oh, absolutely. Because you're grieving a loss. You really are. I mean, you know, we obviously experienced some infertility, and I can only speak from my side of it, but it was because I had done it once. Why can't I do it again? Like, it, you know, and of course, there's lots of things that, you know, finding out later that Lily was a miracle baby that I should have never been able to get pregnant with her. And I'm grateful and thankful for her, but it was always hard. Just like, okay, I did it once. Why can't I do it again? This makes no sense. So mine would get squashed because they saw that I had a child, but I still was hurting, you know, and grieving. So I wished I'd known you guys then because we could have grieved together. I remember that was one thing about Heather too, is that, like when all the couples in our small group were getting pregnant and along with other people outside of our small group, she would be invited to the baby showers and she just couldn't bring herself to go because she had to protect herself and protect her heart. And it was just too much for her at the time. And I don't know that anyone else outside of us and other people who have experienced the infertility, I don't think they realized like how much hurt was actually there and how much grieving was there going on in our lives and that could cause problems too because they would get mad at me like you don't love me you don't support me and that was hard too and it's like i love you i'm happy for you but it's hard i'm sad for me and trying to get them to understand my side of things was hard because they don't know you know and i'm like i hope you never have to know what i'm going through but that's why i kind of Use that as a platform to help other women who are struggling to know you're not alone. You can talk about it. It's okay. People out there, there are people out there that have walked that road that will walk it with you, pray you through it. Because I don't want ever to to have another friend or even people I don't know not reach out and feel lonely. That's really good. So, Brad, what about you in that aspect? Because typically you hear from females more than you do men and how they feel about infertility issues. And um, I think that's very brave of you now to share that with us. And I'm thankful for that. But I would imagine that had to be really difficult for you, too, because men especially don't talk about their feelings. (laughs) Yeah, we squash it a lot of times. (laughs) We do. And like I said, I really didn't talk about it. Um, Like I said, I mean, it made me feel like less of a man because all of our friends were having children, and um, and I couldn't do that. And that's the only thing I couldn't give to Heather. And it was it was hard. And I just I think I just kind of squashed my feelings down, as David said. And just 
I just didn't want to talk about it because I just don't think I wanted to bring it up and let that grieving process begin. Um, but now looking back on it, I, I wish I had. I wish I had reached out to more people, but um, I made it through it. But that's one thing, just like Heather said, I'm, I want to be here for anyone who's going through that. Like she said, I don't want any guy to feel alone. Um, so anytime anyone asks us about adoption, we're, I mean, we're an open book. And like she said, we don't want anyone to feel like they're out there alone because um, we don't want them to get in this depressed state where they just can't get out of that. We want, we want to have to be a sounding board for people and be able to give our experiences, our thoughts, um, just our, just be, be there to love them, I guess is what well, I'm trying to say. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So the common thing that we're seeing is that once you go through it is that now you don't want anybody else to go through that alone. I, I, right. And I certainly commend you on that because people do need to learn that. I think we've shared this with you before that we've talked through things where we go, okay, it's good. I know this this saying has means another thing a lot of times in our society, but it really is good to say me too, you know, because yeah. if, if people know that someone else is, has been through this and has experienced this, they know what they're talking about. So we can use it in that way too and say, you know what, me too. I, I understand exactly where you're coming from and why. Yeah. And I think that's especially true for being a guy because you don't want people to look down on you and be like, oh, you can't do that. So you must not be a real man, I guess, or, or however you want to say that. But I don't know. I just want to make sure that no guy feels like he's alone and that I am there to talk with anyone that wants to, wants to talk because... That, that that's not what makes a man. A man is loving a child that you bring into your home, no matter how God puts that child in your home. Mm-hmm. And I want to let them know that, that just because you can't have a child in the traditional way doesn't mean that you're not a man or less of a man. You're who God created you to be. This is God's plan for your life. And you can still fulfill anything that you want to do through through that plan. may not look exactly how you wanted it to, but like we said, God's plans never do look like we wanted to, but they can be so much better. Amen. I think you're preaching. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's good stuff. That is really good stuff. Let's 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 dive in a little bit to when you decided to go full force with adoption. How'd that look? We didn't know where to start. I mean, I knew adoption existed, but I didn't know, like, how to find an agency, how to do any of that. So I told Brad, I'm like, well, why don't we talk to our pastor and see if he knows anything? We set up a meeting with him, and he's like, I don't have a lot of experience with it. I don't know a lot about it, but um, I have friends that adopted through Bethany Christian Services, and they said wonderful things about them. And so we're like, okay. And so we checked out their website and they had an informational meeting, which they still hold those um, every month. And we just went to get information. Um, it was overwhelming. 
they said a lot of things and talked about a lot of things that I'm just like, I still feel lost, but we prayed about it and decided, okay, we're just going to fill out an application, see what happens. We got approved, filled out the formal application, got approved. And so we're like, okay, we're just going to move forward. And we saved up money, did fundraising, everything we could um, to get the paperwork turned in and do the home study. And I mean, it took us, what, a few months, I think, to get to that point. Um, I think it took us a couple of years to raise enough money to do to be able to put in the formal application and have our home study done where we can be approved and put on the waiting list. But we did the eight-week training course they used to require. So we had to read the, a book called The Connected Child and do homework and turn it in and, and all of that. Um, we were like, okay, that's it. We're not turning back. It's, <laughs> you know, we've already paid all this money. It's too late now. So that's when we decided, okay, we're all in. So we were... And she said we did our whole application, then we had our home study done, and then we were finally approved. And um, after we were approved and put on the waiting list, we just kept doing fundraisers and saving up money because we didn't know we didn't know when we were going to bring our child home. And this was when we um, before we adopted Anna, before we brought her home, and it was just kind of a waiting game. We're like, all right, we said. When's it going to happen? After a little while, we did start getting a little discouraged um, Mm -hmm. because there are a lot of families of Bethany that were being matched. A lot of people we had met through Bethany that were being matched. We're like, when's it going to be our turn? When's it going to be our turn? And finally, about two and a half years after we were approved, we finally got that phone call saying that we were matched. So that was probably the best Thanksgiving slash birthday slash Christmas gift. <laughs> I can imagine. So that's the process. Hurry up, wait, hurry up, wait, hurry up, wait. And it's so exhausting. Well, and also at the time, the agency that we went with, they did a major overhaul. And so everyone that was in that office was gone. And so it was starting over with new people. And I think we went through maybe three or four counselors before we were matched. And that was discouraging. You would get to know someone and develop a relationship and then they'd be gone. But I will say, I love Bethany. I love the staff there. They're wonderful people, but it was discouraging. And at one point I'm like, well, do we start looking at other agencies? Like, what do we do? Just because I was tired of waiting. It wasn't anything that Bethany was doing wrong. It was just, okay, I want a baby now. How do I get it? Yeah, how do we get our name out there more than just through Bethany or other other things we can do, other ways we can make this happen? But I encourage people in the adoption process, do your research. I mean, we still would have went with Bethany regardless, but just do your research. Um, Find the best fit that's for you. Um, Because we didn't do that at the beginning, but that's only because we weren't knowledgeable. We didn't know, but knowing what we know now, it's like just... Yeah, just educate yourself as much as you can. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a big decision. It is. I think all those emotions that you talked about as you're starting the process and you're going through it, and then you hit a point where you go, okay, this is this is real. This is happening. We're going through this. And then you wait. And then you wait. And, and it can be discouraging. I know that for us, we did change agencies. 
Mm-hmm. We, we changed the entire. We adopted internationally. We changed entire countries. Yeah. Right. And so it's it's a you go okay. Well, we're starting to do this again. But um, but yeah, it's it's got to be a it's it's an emotional roller coaster. The audience, just if any of you out there are thinking about it, like Heather said, do your research and don't expect it to happen overnight. Be patient. Uh, just keep. Praying. That's the thing that aggravates me about Hollywood because they will paint a picture that it's oh here's a baby. You know, right. I want to adopt two weeks later. Here's the baby. <laughs> it doesn't happen. Yeah, like they make that. it seem so easy. Yeah. And, and but they also paint it in a negative light, too, which bothers me because yeah. it's a beautiful thing. Yes, it's it comes from something broken, but it's also something beautiful. It is. Yeah. And we always think about it. Yeah. As, uh, there was a song as we turned beauty into ashes. You know, or I mean, ashes into beauty, or ashes into beauty. <laughs> <laughs> Let me rephrase that. Now that maybe is what man does. Maybe we take what, yeah. beauty and turn right. it into ashes, yeah. but our God can make those right. ashes beautiful. Make them turn ashes into beauty. <laughs> yeah. All right, yeah. Slip so let's timeline it here. So at this point, you've been married. How long when you started the adoption process? We started in 2010, so, so we'd been married about five, five years. Five years, okay. And then it was another overall before um, you brought Sweet Hannah home. It was about another four and a half years. Four and a half years. So about nine and a half years married then. It's almost a whole decade. Yes. We're starting a family. We're becoming a family of three, adjusting to life like that. Obviously, listeners can maybe do the math at this point and realize who they heard in the background earlier is mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. Hannah. <laughs> you know, what did, uh, did you decide to yeah. do again? So, um, when Hannah turned one, she just turned six, but when she turned one, we decided that that was about the time that we were going to um, go and start the process for our second adoption. And um, so we started, I guess, probably the we brought Hannah home the end of 2014. So the beginning of 2015, I guess, is when we started um, the uh, process to uh, bring Lucas home. And so that one, we um, did our formal application um, and did our home study. And that's probably beginning of 2015 is when we uh, began the process to bring Lucas home. We... Um, did our formal application um, and saved up money to do the home study again. So it's probably, I don't remember, it took us a couple of years again. So 2017, 2018, I can't remember when, when we were approved. I think it was, we weren't approved until, yeah, I think it was the end of 2018 and Going into 2019? So, I guess I, I was wrong. We, we began the process for Lucas in 2016, not 2015, because Hannah turned a year old at the end of 2015. So, 2016 is when we started the process for Lucas, and in the 2018 is when we were approved. And so, we were approved through Bethany, um, and we were on the waiting list again, and starting to get a little discouraged again, because it had been about a year or so, and we still hadn't had any. Yeah, they say it goes quicker the second time around. Um, and something else is our daughter is African-American. And they say usually because you have a child of a different race, a lot of times your second adoption will go faster. That it actually helps. It wasn't really, I guess, helping 
as far as we thought it would help us, I guess you would say. And I don't know why it makes it go faster because they're a different race. That's something I've never understood. It's just weird how they said that, but yeah. Yeah, but, um, So, um, but we were in the waiting process and like I said, it'd been about a year and we were getting a little discouraged again. Um, so yes, um, beginning of 2020, we actually got a f- call from our adoption counselor letting us know that another adoption agency, Miriam's Promise, they had a situation and they were wanted to know if anyone in Bethany would be interested in that situation. So we said, yes, of course, it was um, an African-American baby boy. And so we put our name in. I guess a couple weeks later, our adoption counselor called me. She's like, so you guys have been chosen to bring, bring this baby boy home. We're like, all right. So we go, I think the next week we went to Miriam's Promise to meet the birth mother. And um, so we meet her and she was due uh, probably about a month later or something like that. We meet her, everything goes well. And we, and we, um, yeah, we, we exchanged phone numbers. Yeah. Um, she would text me, keep me updated on things throughout. I get, well, she was, we met her in January. She was due in March. Yeah. And so she was texting Heather, keeping her updated. Just letting her know how the baby was doing and everything. But all of a sudden, for a couple weeks, Heather didn't hear anything from her. So Heather was like, hmm. Then she decided to text her one day to see how she was doing and make sure everything was going well. And then she Heather gets a text back from the birth mother, and she just says that, sorry, I haven't talked to you in a couple weeks. I wasn't trying to avoid you, but I was in a really serious car accident, and you lost, the, and I lost the baby. And so that just crushed us. We were like, yeah. I mean, how, how do you process that? The child that you think you're going to be bringing home, you are no longer bringing home. Mm-hmm. It, like I said, it just devastated us. Luckily, at the time, um, we're in a, we served a Christian ministry called Trace Diaz, and we had had a meeting for, I guess you want to say a team meeting for everyone who was going to be serving on the upcoming weekend. And we had just left that. So luckily, we had people to go back to that prayed for us and prayed mm-hmm. with us and just kind of helped us in that moment. And so, like I said, we were just devastated. We are like, where do we go? How do we go from this? Where do we go now? And so we just prayed. And we just knew that God had, I guess, a better plan for us than that. We thought this was the plan, but it turns out it wasn't the plan. So the grieving process has to begin again. Yeah. It does. Yeah. Yes. And it was it was really, really hard. Because, um, <laughs> again, like, then all of a sudden, everybody I knew was getting pregnant again. And it was like, okay, I have, and then you, I, I had feelings of guilt but along with that. Because, yes, I have Hannah, and I love her no matter what. But I still had that longing for another child, and that doesn't go away. And I felt like it was taking away from her because I was grieving this loss and kind of wrapped up in it. And um, and so I had guilt with that, too. And I know it didn't take away from her. I know that's just Satan's trying to get into my head, but it's hard to walk that road. But luckily, I mean, we had a great support system and friends, too, who are sitting with us on this podcast and, you know, family. Um, and we just had to, you know, we just prayed through it and knew 
you know, he wasn't meant to be our child for some reason. But, and we took a few weeks before we decided to go active again with Bethany. They told us they would put us on hold until we were ready. Um, they gave us that time to grieve. They were there for us through that process, checked in with us, um, which was really nice for them to do that. And then we just decided, I guess, probably about three or four weeks later, we said, just go ahead and make us active again. Even if it doesn't happen right away, you know, we can still have that time to grieve while we're waiting. So we start the process again. And then it was what August? July. July. I'll, I'll let you finish the rest of it. <laughs> <laughs> if only we had cameras to show Heather's <laughs> face over here, like shaking her head. Hey, he's done really good. Like he answered how long you've been married, all this stuff. Yeah. Really good. I'm so impressed. I tried. I'm impressed. He's getting those timelines pretty good. Pretty good. <laughs> he gets a gold star. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and yeah, in July, I get this random message. Um, I'm at work from a friend of mine who we met through Trace Diaz and she goes, I need you to call me as soon as possible. And I said, well, I'm in the classroom right now. I'll call you when I go on lunch. So I'm like, good grief. What could this be? My nerves were shaking because she had called me before about a different situation. Um, it was like a fostering situation, but she called me and said, Hey, I have a friend who's pregnant and she wants to make an adoption plan but she doesn't know how to do it. And she's like, you guys immediately popped into my mind. And so I told her about you guys and she's willing to meet you. And, um, she was at the time, I think she was what 30. Well, we weren't sure how far along she was at that time, but we knew she was 30 something weeks along. Um, she thought she was about seven months along, but she was closer to eight and a half, nine months along. I think at the time. Yeah. Something like that. And so we're like, okay. And we're like, yeah, we're willing to meet her. But I was cautiously optimistic because we'd had several friends in the past saying, oh, I know someone. Let me get you in touch with them. And you get your heart set on it or you get your hopes up. And then it's it turns out to be, you know, nothing. And so I was like, okay, I'm just going to keep cool and try not to think about it, which honestly, you yeah. think about it all the time. Yes, right. Um. And so we went to my friend's house and we met her. Um, his birth mom's a wonderful, wonderful person. Very sweet, very kind. It just felt natural, easy conversation. And she liked us. We liked her. And so it was like, okay, we're just going to move forward with this. We contacted our attorney that we used to finalize Hannah's adoption and said, you know, this is our first time doing it privately, which is a whole nother realm than going through an agency you see you see the other side of it like how much legal stuff goes into it and so we're like what do we do and she got the ball rolling for us which is great and then we all had a meeting together she met with us and the birth mom um, she set everything up at the hospital contact us with updates all the time about you know how's he how he's doing how much he weighs. Um, she would send us the ultrasound pictures, video, um, which is nice to see all of that because when you're, when you're not pregnant, you don't get to see all those things and experience all those things. And she wanted to share that with us, um, which was really nice. She wanted us to go to the, some of the doctor's visits, but of course we couldn't because of COVID. 
But we just stayed in close contact the whole time. And then I knew she was due mid-September. I took that week off that she was po- that was her due date. He decided he didn't want to come on the due date. So he was a little late. But then I get a call that she's on her way to the hospital. He's coming. And so we jet out there. and I was at work at the time. I was at work at a meeting because... She was supposed to be induced the next day for him to be born. And so he decided to come the day before that. So I was at work. He got a phone call. I see Heather's name. I was like, well, this is the phone call. So I walked back in and told my, told my bosses. I was like, I got to go. I'm having a baby. <laughs> <laughs> so my baby's being born. Yeah, so he was born on September 17th. And he's doing great. He's healthy. Growing like a weed already. Um, yeah, definitely that. That's mm-hmm. From when we saw him. Yeah. Earlier until now, it's wow. Yeah. And it was great to be at the hospital um, and do his feedings and all of that. We didn't get to do that with Hannah. She was three weeks old before we brought her home. Um, her birth mother didn't decide to place until after she had already been born. Um, so we missed out on that opportunity with her. But um, with him, we got to be and I got to be in the nursery and do his feedings and some of his diaper changes and and just get that contact with him right away which was really nice yeah that's awesome like like we had talked about earlier god's plans are much different than our plans we had been told by our adoption counselor she's she told us that if a family had adopted a child of another race that she had never seen that same family adopt a child of the same race she'd never really seen it happen so we were just under the assumption that we're going to bring home a baby that was not caucasian it was a different race. Well, he was sitting with Lucas, and he is Caucasian, and um, definitely not what we envisioned, but it's definitely um, just, just awesome. Good timing. I don't, I don't know if you guys Lucas. could hear that, but it was perfect timing for a little yeah. guy. <laughs> but, I mean, we, could, we couldn't have asked for, for anything better. He is doing great. We just love him so much. So now we're a family of four and adjusting to that. How's that going? How's big sis doing with all of it? She is in love. She cannot get enough of him. She wants to hold him all the time, wants to feed him, wants to be near him um, (laughs) 24-7, which is great. But on the other hand, it's like, okay, we need some space. He needs some space. She doesn't like it when he cries, but who does? I mean, yeah. She's very proud of him, tells everybody about him everywhere we go. She tell everybody he was six pounds when he was born. And um, <laughs> she just, was just telling us earlier. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she'll tell you anything and everything about him, but she does really, really well with him. She's really proud of him. That is very cool. But sleep. We miss sleep. <laughs> <laughs> he's starting start to sleep a little bit more now. He's He can go about six hours now at night, which is. Much better than two hours. Oh, yeah. But we switch nights. So that's one of the, um, I guess, upsides of not being able to breastfeed is I have him one night. Brad takes him the next night. So one of us, so we can each get some sleep in there. Yeah, because one of you has got to be able to tackle, you know, the kids the next day. Like, be able to be energized, especially for big sis. Especially for six-year-old (laughs) miss. I mean, we, we've had our little fun mishaps, like um, getting them ready for both ready for school and 
I put his bottles in her backpack and there's been a couple times we've left his diaper bag. Yeah, I forgot his diaper bag at home. We're like, oh, we got because it's been a while since you've had to worry about carrying the kitchen sink with you, right? (laughs) And so I feel like I'm packing to go on vacation every day between my teaching stuff and Hannah's school stuff and his um, stuff for school and. But at least he goes where I work, so I get to still be with him during the day, even when I'm working, which is nice. Yeah, that's really good. That is good. Very good. We thank you guys for sharing your story. Yes. No stories the same. And you guys can see that firsthand that you've done two adoptions and and they weren't the same. So if you have one thing to say to folks who are thinking about adoption, what would that one thing be? Now they're both crock pot. That's right. I would say um, be patient. It's probably not going to happen in the time that you think it will happen. So just be patient. Know that God is working for you, and God's got a special plan for you, and that plan's going to come to fruition in His timing and not our timing. And You can't rush that. You can't make it happen in your timing. It's going to happen when God wants it to happen. So... And it can be hard. Um, I'm not going to sugarcoat it or lie. It can be hard. It can be um, very emotional. There's a lot of grieving that goes on. But the end result from all of that is the most miraculous, joyful thing that you will ever see, that you will ever have in your life. Well, I'm trying to think. I mean, as I said earlier, just educate yourself. That's the Mm -hmm. big thing. But reach out to others who have walked that road for insights, for help, um, anything that you need. Like we are a great resource. We um, we're actually on a post adoption committee with our agency. And so we mentor other couples who are starting the process, walking through the process. And it's good to hear it from someone who has actually walked that road. Mm -hmm. So I would say, reach out, educate yourself. And if God's calling you to it, he's telling you to do it. And, he is the perfect example. He adopted us into his family. Mm-hmm. So we should look to his example. Wise words. Mm-hmm. Wise words. I was wondering how she was going to top Brad, but she did. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if she topped him, but she's right up there. She climbed right the mountain with the, him. It was good. She climbed up with him. It was good. Very good. <laughs> Very good. All right. We have a final question we ask all of our guests. We're going to ask you this, and we're really going to see if you crock pot or not. All right. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you have a choice of any patio, anywhere. Where would it be, and who would join you on that patio? This person can be real, fictional, dead, or alive. Any patio, anywhere, and who would join us? Um, patio in heaven with Jesus, and my wife, and, and family. He gave the safe answer. <laughs> like, how do you top that one? It's Jesus. <laughs> right. <laughs> hmm. I would have to say on the beach somewhere, looking out over the ocean. I would want my family there. I would say Jesus to you. But um, I would just, I think, like to meet. Maybe like my grandparents who passed away before I was born or people who changed history, especially with what our nation's going through right now. Like just sit and talk to people like Rosa Parks or 
Maya Angelou, people like that who just made such huge strides for our country, I think. Just yeah. pick their brain and, like, what do you think about today? And how would you go about making the change that we want to see? I think she's going to need to rent out the pool area because, like, <laughs> her patio is going to have to be big. That's good. That's if, really if, good. If my patio was here on Earth, I would I would say probably the beach as well. And the one person I would love to have there, besides my family, would be my dad. He yeah. passed away about three years ago, and, and I miss him. And beach was his favorite place to be. So. Yeah. There you go. There's no right or wrong answer to that nope, question. Not at all. So I love it. I love your answers. We just want to say thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. And it's always, it always takes courage to share your story. And uh, no matter where you share it or who you share it with, especially on a platform like this, we just pray that it will help others who are out there who are thinking about adoption or may find themselves in shoes that you've walked in. And so we thank you for that. Yeah, thank well, you all thank for having us. And that's our number one goal is to let people know that there are people out there walking that same journey. Because like Heather said, we didn't have that when we were going through the journey. We didn't know anybody until we went to, until we started our journey through Bethany. Um, then we had everyone who was going through that journey, Bethany, with us. But outside of that, we didn't know anybody. And we, wanna, we want people to know that, that we're out there if they need us. Well, I think our young guest is starting to crank up. Yeah. So we thank you guys so much for joining us. And we love you guys. Love you. What a great story. We have walked through the second journey with them. So it was neat to, um, it's always neat to hear our friends' stories, even though we're in their lives. We learn stuff that we didn't know about what they went through, what they experienced. And so it was great to have Brad and Heather on here sharing not only about their first adoption, but having a family that adopted twice. Yeah. Because um, both times it was a long wait. And that's really hard, really hard to, to be patient through that and especially want to endure that a second time. And did. And did, yeah. And I will say this, just knowing them, watching them go through it the second time, not that it was easy, but they both handled it with a lot of grace. Yes, they did. And, and, and uh, they were a real testament of what grace looks like and patience looks like. Yes. So we're fortunate that we got to see that. Thankful God has let us be a small part in that journey of being able to pray with them and support them through this. And Yeah, uh, we definitely weren't. A large part of it, but a small part that we did get to be around them and be with them. It was it was a blessing to watch. You, as you guys may have picked up, you've now heard the third couple from our kind of small group that started uh, out of just a bunch of people getting together and how adoption has touched their lives. And then you also heard from Colin, who is in that group as well. Yeah. And he uh, is an adult adoptee, so... Everyone in our group has been touched by adoption at some point. So you've got to hear all of their stories. And we're thankful that we were able to bring them to you. We have one more couple in our group that is working through the process of, of uh, adoption or, and what that looks like. It looks a little bit different for them. We won't tell their story. Yeah. Uh, but when they're ready, we'll bring them on at some point and be able to do that. We're just praying that before the end of the year, that can happen. Yes. And, yes. and it can. Yes. God can move that mountain. I absolutely believe that. So as soon as we're able to tell that story, we will. 
So speaking of God moving mountains and adoption journeys and so forth, I think you can hear from all the couples how overwhelming that first step is and how fearful it can be because there's so much, there's so much unknown when you're stepping into that journey. And it really requires a lot of trust and faith. Uh, so with that, we have our scripture this week that I thought would be great to share. First John 4, 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. So again, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. And God's love for us is perfect. It can drive out that fear as you're, you're waiting. Hurry up and wait. Hurry up and wait throughout the whole process. And the other thing I think you, uh, I hope you heard, uh, I know you heard it from Heather and Brad, uh, you heard it from the others as well, is that waiting process is worth it. Absolutely. It's worth it. So don't let that scare you off. If you are thinking about it, thinking about fostering, thinking about adopting, um, please reach out to us if you want. And you can always email us at patiotalkpod at gmail.com. We'll be glad to get you in contact with uh, people who can help you walk through the process, just direct you in the right way. And we've walked through international adoption. Uh, everyone you've heard on our podcast so far has been domestic. We also, earlier this year, back on March 6th, we aired an episode with our friend Laura who has experience with multiple adoptions as well. Um, Some were international and some were domestic Mm -hmm. and some were special needs children. Mm -hmm. And um, it's a very inspiring story to listen to. So that's one too that if you want to continue hearing more on uh, adoption. Yes. Go back and listen to it. The episode is called Just Say Yes. And it was uh, published on March 6th of 2020. So we'd like to thank you guys for sticking with us through the National Adoption Awareness Month, and we hope to be able to bring you more stories like this in the near future. So anyhow, we thank you guys so much for sticking with us and listening. We will see you next time. If you're listening today, tonight, tomorrow, in the morning, whenever it is you're listening, have a great day. That's a wrap. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review and hit subscribe wherever you listen to our podcast. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Patio Talk Pod. Please check us out as well on our website, patiotalkpod.net. And if you like what you hear and would like to support the show, click on that cute little button in the show notes that says buy us a coffee. Thanks for listening.